Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Raylan, for bringing up our sermon illustration, visual illustration here today. Um, we'll get to those later, but for now, I want to give just a short recap of where we've where we've been these last weeks and really months. We've been looking at Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, where he preached an amazing sermon that covers a lot of different ground. And we're just taking each little section and looking at it each week and preaching a sermon on that. That's how rich it is. And what we've been learning throughout this uh, time where we've been studying this sermon is that Jesus is really trying to get to the heart of the matter in all of these different topics. And he's saying, you know, we've been taught to look at things this way or we've learned to look at things this way. But God's heart and the way that things operate in the kingdom of God is different than that. And that's where he's trying to point us. And he's restoring our relationship with him in each one of these different ways that he's been telling us to. Um, So, for instance, over the last few weeks, we've heard about praying with a humble heart. We've learned about fasting, giving, and how we deal with money, and he's, he's really trying to get into the, the heart of these matters and saying, you know, we're not doing these things for, for show. We're not doing them to gain praise from other people, but really we're doing them to focus on our relationship with God, and, and that's what he's after. He's after our hearts. And so today, we're going to look at this next piece And um, we're going to open up our Bibles to Matthew 6. And if you have a pew Bible, it's on page 1509. We're looking at verses 25 through 34, which has the heading here of Do Not Worry. Now, before I even start, I'm going to just tell you that this starts with the first word is therefore. And whenever I see that in a passage that we're, we're starting in the middle of this passage. It says, therefore, and that means, well, this is coming directly on the heels of our message from last week. And that message was, you can't serve both God and money. Jesus was telling us our heart needs to be focused on God and not our possessions. And then he's continuing on with that theme for our message today. So I'm going to read this passage for us. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, like these flowers that I have up here. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. So today, what I want to bring to us this morning, the main idea of this um, sermon is that Jesus is restoring us to rely on God through this passage. And so I'm going to tell a story. I don't know if any of you have ever worried or not. Has anyone ever experienced that? Um, I, I think we all have. This is a, a human condition and a human tendency. And I was trying to think of a time when there was a lot of worry and a lot of um, fear and, and things that were coming in. And I could think of things recently that may have happened, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about something that happened a little longer ago than that. And it was called Y2K. Does anyone, anyone remember this? Um, okay, I, I got a lot of yeses. Now, for some of the younger people here, this might have happened when you were really young, and so you might not remember it very much. But I remember it uh, personally. And what was what was happening at that time? It was the turn of the millennium. We were going to go from 1999 to 2000. Okay, and there was a big problem in all of our computers. That was that when they started computer programming in the 50s and 60s, the memory was expensive. And so a date like 1967 was cheaper to store in the computer as 67. They would just take the 19 off from there. Well, we're in the 1900s then, so we just take that off and assume that that's there. But then when we started to get closer to the millennium, people started to realize What's going to happen when the clock turns to uh, zero zero? Are the computer the computers are going to assume that we're going into 1900, right? And so, um, a lot of people actually at this time thought that the world was going to end at the stroke of midnight uh, at the millennium because of this computer bug. And this is why um, people thought that banks and the stock market would completely collapse. That would lead to a total financial meltdown. Um, just because of these two digits. Um, people thought that planes would fall from the sky, like a plane in mid-flight, their clock would turn and it would mess up the computer and it would just crash. Um, people thought that it, missiles would launch by themselves because the computers get messed up and they just launch and then we'd have a nuclear apocalypse. Uh, people thought that all of our food production would halt and you know the computer, like everything's driven by computers, even in the early 2000s. So uh, people thought that hospitals, machines would stop working, they wouldn't be able to care for people, and no one would be able to receive care at a hospital that they needed. And then uh, people just were afraid that their basic needs would not be able to be met then because all of this this widespread chaos and everything crashing. Okay, so it it seems kind of funny to us now because we kind of know, well, not a lot of that really happened. But it was really a big thing back then. 
And these were some of the things that uh, maybe we remember that started to happen. Um, people started to create huge food stashes. Um, there were, you know, people out there saying, you know, you need this much food. Emergency preparedness. Uh, but but we were taking it to the next level. Now, I remember in my basement, we had this, like, huge shelving unit, and we just stocked up on food and put it in there. Uh, part of me does wonder if that was just an excuse to get all of the buy one, get one free deals and just put them on those shelves and say, hey, we're just stocking up for Y2K, but we're really getting good deals, you know. Um, but some people, I, I read stories that some people had enough canned soup in their basements to last for years and years and years. And they, after Y2K, they struggled to finish it because they were so sick of eating canned soup. Um, they had soap for, to last for 15 years. Um, and then, like, worst of all, some of some people were really, like, so fearful of this event happening and so worried about it that they were selling their homes and building bunkers or going up into remote places like the Upper Peninsula where, you know, no one, no one lived by them so that if the world ended, they could, you know, they're buying guns, they're buying um, all, all this sort of stuff for survival. And so that was a real problem. And it was pervasive as a society. A lot of us really kind of succumbed to that. And so with that story in mind, let's take a look at what what is worry. And why was worry a big factor at, at that point? And why do we each experience and struggle with worry sometimes? Um, first of all, Jesus is giving us this passage on worry because he knows that it's a human heart tendency. Um, He's talking to a crowd that prior to this passage on, with the Sermon on the Mount, this crowd that was following him were full of people who were seeking healing. Um, there were people who were paralyzed, demon-possessed. Um, they were the down-and-out people that were see- seeking freedom from these things that they were worrying about, and now he's preaching to them. So he knows his audience. He knows us, and he knows that it's, it's really a, a heart condition here. So the dictionary... Um, tells us that worry is a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Okay, so it's it's not worry to be prepared or to you know to be able to th- to think through things and say, well, I I'm going to be prepared for this event or or that. I'm planning. Uh, no, the the Lord does tell us that we need to be working and planning um, as long as we're being led by His Holy Spirit. But it's when we start to let that fear and worry drive our planning uh, that it starts to be a problem. So worry becomes excessive when it is persistent and uncontrollable. Um, You worry about the everyday what-ifs. You worry about worst-case scenarios. or um, These are just things that we all can really fall into easily. And, And they can even get into... Um, worrying that causes us to lose out on the joys of everyday life. It really can sap stuff from us. So I'm going to give a few examples of some things that we might um, worry about and and why. Um, We might feel out of control, and we're worrying about the possible outcomes. So an example of this might be laying awake, um, just analyzing and thinking like, okay, what what is the stock market going to do tomorrow? When am I going to... Am I going to pull that fund out right now or, or right now? And, and this, is, this is going beyond the planning aspect of it, but it's, it's to where it's starting to kind of take over our thoughts. 
Or we, we worry about um, not having enough. So that might be, um, we're, we're just, we're thinking about, we're always thinking about, well, how can I get this next thing? How can I get this next um, meal or, or whatever? Like those, those types of things that start to kind of consume us. Um, we worry that maybe the problem that we're facing is too big for us and we just can't, we can't figure it out. So then we start to make choices based on fear and we're, we're going through all the possible scenarios of, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? What's going to happen? And, and we just start to go in, into a place where we're just always thinking about it and it's keeping us away at, awake at night. Maybe we have been hurt by others before and we've been disappointed and we just don't dare to trust in God's goodness. That might be something like we just don't open up to others and we don't open our, ourselves up to God because we're worried about being hurt again. We're worried about being disappointed again. Um, lastly, maybe we were raised to be self-sufficient in unhealthy ways. And so we try to do it all ourselves, and then we start to kind of burn out because we're striving to control every situation and um, just trying to rely on ourselves, really. And I don't know if you know this, we probably do know that there are negative effects to worrying, right? Um, if you've ever experienced it, you, you know, you just, it's, it's hard to get out of that. But Jesus also knows that, and that's why he's telling us this. He's asking us, okay, so who can add to their life by worrying? Does, does worrying actually, like, get me somewhere farther than I am right now? Does it add to my life? And the answer is no, it doesn't. So that's why he's asked, it's kind of a rhetorical question that he's asking here. Um, constant worrying, negative thinking, and always expecting the worst can actually take a real toll on your physical and emotional health. It can sap your emotional strength. It can leave you feeling emotionally restless and jumpy. And it can actually cause like things like insomnia, headaches, migraines, stomach problems, muscle tension, and it can make it difficult to concentrate at work or school. And then these negative feelings might um, be taken out on other people that are closest to you. Um, and you don't even realize, what, where's, where are these things coming from? But it's, it's starting to come from that buildup of negativity and worry. And, um, and then we might start to self-medicate in ways like, um, alcohol or drugs or distracting ourselves by zoning out in front of a screen. Like we're, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here of, of where worry takes us if we let it take a hold of us. Okay? And, and actually the reality of this too is that chronic worrying actually does shorten our life. Uh, there was a recent study done that, um, a, a poll and in that poll, they found out that around 60% of people um, reported that they're always worrying. Okay, so it's, it's not just a worry here or a worry there, but it's, this is this chronic worrying that we're talking about. And what they were finding so within that poll is that our, our life expectancy, as a, as a nation at least, in, here in America, has gone down, actually, over the last six years. Um, it's just there, there's so much worry and uncertainty out there. There's so many things that are going on that are outside of our control. 
and we're worried about them and and it's shortening our lives. And that seems to be a problem, doesn't it? Okay, so what does the world say before we go deeper into what Jesus says? What does the world say about how we could not worry? It has a lot to say. Um, the first thing that I found, so I watched this documentary on Y2K. It was called the Y2K Family Survival Guide. And there was like this eerie music playing the whole time. I could see why people were worried back then because it's this talking head uh, talking about all these disaster scenarios and there's this, 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 this eerie music playing the whole time. Um, and one of the recommendations that they gave in that video that I was just like, what? Was to uh, tell your children not to worry. It's like, does that ever work to just say to someone, oh, just don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Does that ever work? What about this? Re- repeating a mantra to make yourself not worry. Uh, I watched a show. I remember watching this show called Fam- Family Matters. Anyone ever, anyone ever seen that show? From back in the 90s, probably. Um, the dad learned this mantra to say when he was worried, and it was three, two, one, one, two, three. What in the world is wrong with me? And that was supposed to make him feel better when he was worrying. Uh, does, does this thing, does this sort of thing work, really work to help us to not worry? Really? Um, okay, then I found an article that has some real, like, real concrete steps. And these are all good things, okay? So I'm not saying that all of these things that I'm going to read off aren't good things to do or that they couldn't help with, to calm down or whatever. But I'm going to read you this list. So mindfulness and meditation, deep breathing. Practicing self-compassion, so caring for yourself, taking care of yourself. Um, doing a body scan. I'm not going to go into what each one of these means either. Too too long. <laughs> uh, sharing your friends with your, your fears with friends and family. Practicing gratitude. Keeping an emotions journal. Maintaining a consistent sleep schedule. Focusing on what you can control uh, rather than what you can't control. Exercising more often. Taking positive action and enlisting professional help. So what I notice in this list is that these are all good things. They could be good things. But what are they doing? They're actually only trying to treat the symptom. Okay? None of them really get to the root of why are we worrying and how can we stop worrying. So there's just, well, when I'm worried, I could do this. When I'm worried, I could do that. Well, those things might help, but really what Jesus wants to do here in this section of the text is get to the heart of why do we worry, and he wants to encourage us to not worry by giving us some concrete ways to not worry, not just saying don't worry, okay? Um, oh, what, what about this? Have you guys heard of positive thinking Um, we can positive, positive think our way out of worry. What do you think about that? Um, I, I think that it is kind of missing the mark. Uh, now positive thinking is good. It's, it's good for our health to think positively, but it, it also doesn't get at the heart of the problem of worry. Um, in fact, longest running study ever done on happiness. Uh, I watched a video on this too. It's about an 80-year study where they've tracked p- 
people through multiple generations and they've looked at what makes a person happy versus what makes them unhappy and they've tracked all sorts of people. There's been people in this um, that have been, become president. Uh, there's people that have been won the Nobel Peace Prize in this group. And, you know, they started when they were just college students, so they didn't know where each person is going to be going. Okay? So a lot of people had a lot of success and achievements, and a lot of people didn't really have that much success or achievements. Which group do you think was the happier group out of those two groups? The ones that actually didn't achieve that much, like what we would call much by human standards. Um, what they what they showed was that the people who were more focused on their relationships, building up their relationships, not chasing after success, not chasing after money and fame, power, whatever, those people were far more happy and satisfied with their life than the people who were actually chasing after these goals and um, you know, I'm not saying it's bad to chase after good goals and good things, but if that is the focus, then chasing after something that you think will make you happy actually makes you less happy because it's hard to achieve those things. And not everyone can achieve all of those things. Um, and so when you hit a roadblock or a bump in the road, uh, then your happiness level actually goes down. So this this whole, like, we can positive think our way out of problems or, or just pursue happiness, it's just the wrong thing to pursue, and it doesn't get at the heart of worrying. Okay, so so what is that heart? Where is this worry coming from? And what I, what I want to take a look at is that I believe that, that we worry uh, and I, because it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, Adam and Eve were created and put into this garden with God. They were walking with God. They had all of the food that they needed. They didn't have to work for it. Um, God said, you can eat from any of these trees except for that one. And so they, they, could, they could go get any food at any time that they wanted. Um, they didn't have to worry about their clothing because they, they were not feeling ashamed of themselves. And they, they were just acting and living how God made them to be. But then along came that serpent and he tempted them. You know what he tempted them with was to to be able to be in control of their own lives and in in control of their own situation. He said, did did God really say that you can't eat from that? Well, okay, if if God said this, I okay, so Adam and Eve were tempted really to to try and take control of their own situation and to take control of their own destiny. And when they did that, they created a rift between themselves and ourselves and God. And and I think that that has put into us, each one of us, just a deep-seated separation and is almost like a separation anxiety because um, they were sent out of the garden the ground was cursed, so now they had to work for food. They had to work for their provision. They had to all of a sudden figure out, okay, hey, we need clothes now because they were ashamed of their nakedness. And uh, so, so I think that it's interesting that Jesus uses these two, food, worrying about food and worrying about clothes, as his examples for do not worry, when these are two things that Adam and Eve had plenty of in the garden. Okay? I mean, 
You know what I mean about the clothes. They didn't have clothes, so they, but they didn't need them at that point. So that, that's really where the first worrying came in and snuck in. And what Jesus wants to do in this passage is now to remove that blockage. It's like a blockage between us and the Lord. It's like a, a blockage in our heart that keeps us from really believing in our heart. Just like um, what you were saying, Bill, in your testimony. Um, the Lord is really weaving those testimonies in. You, 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 knew, you knew some of that stuff up here in your head, but it was more difficult to believe it in your heart that God could provide, even if you were doing something that didn't make sense um, to the world. It didn't make sense financially, but it was the right thing to do. And um, it's just, we have to get over that blockage in our heart. And so that's why I, I think that all of those things that the world tells us to do are like putting a Band-Aid on it, when what we really need is heart surgery. Okay, so this is what Jesus says in our passage today. The birds of the air. He uses them as an example. Um, Now, I couldn't find any live birds who would be willing to come in here for a demonstration and not mess the place up. So I didn't pick live birds for my demonstration. But if you think about the birds, they find food wherever they go. Um, There's zillions of birds all over the world. And they don't have to work for their food. They just, they find food. They find shelter. Um, God made them in, a, in that way to be able to um, not have to work for their, for their food. Okay, so he's using them. Let's, so these birds are cared for by God, but you're more valuable than the birds. Okay, so if God cares for them and he provides for them, how much more is he going to pro- provide for us? This is his argument here. Okay, so then he moves on to the flowers. So this is why I have these flowers. He says, you know, these flowers of the field are clothed so beautifully. And, and they're even more beautiful than Solomon, who was probably the richest man to ever live. So you take a look at these flowers, or any, any beautiful flowers that you can think of, and you just think, wow, they didn't have to work to become beautiful. And in fact, as I was thinking about this, I was like, do you know that these flowers eat dirt? Like, their sustenance comes from dirt and from the, from the sun. But the nutrients are all there already. God has created them, and he says, you know, they're even like these cut flowers that I have, they're cut. They're not really going to last that long now because they've been cut off from their root. They're going to be thrown away pretty soon. So if they're dressed that splendidly, how much more does God care about providing for our needs and for our need? He's using clothing as an example of that right now. So what my question is then, will we let Jesus remove that blockage in our heart so that we can rely on him for everything that we need and so that when we start to worry, we can go to him with that and not just treat the symptom with a Band-Aid, but let him do that heart surgery in us. Okay, so what, is, what, is this, what does this heart surgery look like? And, and what does it look like to let Jesus do this? Well, he tells us in this passage. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all of this 
will be given to you. Okay? So he's telling us where to put our eyes and where to put our focus and what we're pursuing here again. Are we pursuing the kingdom or are we pursuing the things of this world? And when we follow what he's saying, we put our kingdom in his hands. Okay? We each have a little, a little kingdom that we try to control and that we live in. And we're saying, Lord, I put that in your hands because I trust that you're the one who provides and you, and you have all my best interest in mind. Okay? It just takes our focus off from the wrong thing. And this goes back to the sermon from last week. Not trying to pursue money and not focusing on pursuing those things of the world that we, that we want and desire. Uh, those, those just make us worry more when we try and get those things because we think that they're going to fill us up, but they don't really do that. Okay. Now, when, when we're talking about, okay, what does it mean to pursue the kingdom? What does it mean to pursue a kingdom? Well, I think that in order to pursue the kingdom, we need to know the king because he's the head of the kingdom. And everything that he tells us about the kingdom of God, it all flows out of who God is and his character. So we can't pursue a kingdom without knowing who the king is. And so what I'm, what I'm saying now is that Jesus is, is wanting to restore this relationship between us and the king so that we can trust him and so that we can rely on him. Okay? So when we do this, we're also fulfilling the first and greatest commandment. Um, we, we know that the first and greatest commandment that God gives is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's from Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Okay? So it's, he's urging us, seek the kingdom, seek the king with all all of yourself. Okay? And that's hard. That's hard for us as human beings. But he is the one who comes into our heart when we allow him to do that and he transforms us. So I want to give you some, some truths from the Bible that talk more about this problem of, of worry and that address some of these things that we have talked about already. And let, let's see how God is just there and waiting and wanting to provide for us and wanting this relationship between him and us to be restored so that we can rely on him. Okay? So for our, our first scenario that we talked about when we feel out of control and we're tempted to worry about possible outcomes, so that might include... You know, maybe laying awake, being terrified of the worst-case scenario um, that we might face. Um, it, might, it might even look like be, being worried about our loved ones, our relationships, and, and we're just thinking about all of the things that could happen. Uh, we need to remember and put into our heart that God is in control. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So do we believe this? this? This is Jesus doing heart surgery in us and putting these, the picture that's just coming to mind is these are like stints. These verses are like stints in our heart. They remove the blockage and they give it 
a clean, clear tube to, for the blood to go through and for God's um, grace to flow through. Okay? So when we're tempted to worry about not having enough, like the constant checking our finances, constantly checking our bank account, constantly looking at, you know, maybe what the market is doing. Just we're, we're just constantly thinking about that, worrying and ruminating about it. We need to remember that God has all the resources that we need. From 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to provide for us in all of our needs, and he knows our needs. That's what Jesus says here. He knows what we need. When we're tempted to worry that the problem is too big for us or that we can't handle it or figure it out, like making some choices based on fear or based on um, what we think is going to happen but we're not, we're not sure and we're just worrying about what we're going to do, um, God has all the wisdom to solve any problem. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. He's the only one here who can see the outcome of every situation that we're experiencing. We, we can't see it. We can't see the end of things. And, and we just ask him to give us guidance step by step to live our lives like that. But he, he can see it. He knows what's going to happen and he has the wisdom. And so when we seek him for wisdom, then he gives us that wisdom and he comforts us and says, you don't have to worry about that. I got it. Okay? When we've been hurt by others, uh, we've been disappointed before, and we're finding it hard to open up and trust, and we're worried about relationships, God is good no matter what. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. God is always good all the time. And he brings healing. God brings healing to our wounds. Psalm 147.5 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So when we've been hurt, we, inv- we can invite Jesus to heal our wounds and to help us to trust again and to help us to not worry about those relationships. And then if we were raised to be self-sufficient in unhealthy ways, like trying to just trying to do so much that um, we can really try and control the outcome. Um, this is another one, Bill. I think, did you look at my sermon notes beforehand? Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, which you said in your testimony, um, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is such great assurance. That peace that we are lacking when we're worrying. Jesus is the one who supplies that. We don't need to manufacture our own peace by trying to control the situation. We we just can't do it. We need to get that peace from him. And then I think the ultimate assurance comes from John 3:16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish 
but have eternal life? Ultimate assurance. We don't need to be worried and afraid of our salvation. When we put our faith in Jesus, we have that assurance that he came and died for us. He's taken all of our problems and our burdens, and we just have to give them over to him. He wants us to have a, a restored relationship with him, restored to rely on him. So let's come back to this Y2K problem. What happened to solve this problem? We had all this fear, all this panic happening, and nothing really happened. Um, Now, part of the reason is because our country country spent over $100 billion to remedy the problem, like looking through every line of code that they could in in a couple of years on every single program, every single computer that was used and all of that. So and worldwide it was like 300 billion dollars. We spent a lot of money on it, okay? Um but did we learn the right the right lesson or the wrong lesson from that? Um did we learn self-reliance from that like hey, if we throw enough money at any problem, we can solve it and we don't have to you know, worry about it, about the outcome. And I think that that is a little bit of what happened. Like today we look back on Y2K and it's kind of a joke and it's kind of funny. Um, But it it was a real panic situation back then. And I think there could have been more salt and light there in that situation. And so I, I actually looked around for stories of salt and light in that time. And that's what I want to encourage us to be. Because when, when we can take a situation like that, when we can live through a situation like that and have peace because we're not worried about it and we're not stockpiling excessively, we're not um, moving away and moving to bunkers or whatever, then we can be salt and light in the world. So there was actually a church in Chicago who had an event to spread some peace during Y2K. And they, they invited someone into their church and he was a person who was part of the Christian Computing Magazine. And what he told them was, hey, the greatest danger of Y2K is overreaction. Okay? He said the biggest fear in Y2K is fear of the unknown. Like all these things, didn't know what was going to happen. And he said, you know what? It's okay to be prepared, but let's focus on prayer and staying informed. Okay, so he he came and and they had this event where they're saying, hey, let's spread this message that we don't have to be that worried. Like we don't don't have to be letting worry control us because we have this God who has it all under control. Okay. They spread a message of hope because they were able to experience the Lord working in their heart. They were able to turn to him with their worry and they were able to give that hope away to other people. And that's what the Lord is calling us to do through this message today is to really let him do that heart surgery in us, let him take our burdens and give those things that we worry over to him. And so I'd like to close by inviting us to take a few minutes with your eyes closed maybe. Just think of some ways that you've been burdened by worry. 
ask the Lord to bring anything to mind that you've been, maybe a situation or there's maybe some chronic worry that you've been dealing with. Just ask Jesus to do some heart surgery and ask him to restore our reliance on him. So yeah, let's let's take a few minutes and, and think about that, and then we'll um, we'll go from there. So Jesus, thank you so much for just reassuring us that we're more valuable than the birds, we're more valuable than the flowers, we're your most prized possession, your most prized creation, and you have so much more for us than being burdened by worry. And so now, Lord, I pray that you would bring to each of our minds any of those situations that we're struggling with, that are burdening us with worry. Lord, would you do that heart surgery in us and and put your word and your assurance into our heart.